You're listening to What the Business, the business podcast where I interview independent business owners about success, failure, and all the moments in between. My name is Josie Barrick, and I'm your host. Hi, and welcome. <laughs> welcome to today's episode of What the Business. Today's episode is a little bit different from the perspective of I'm not interviewing anyone today. I wanted to do uh, my second episode as more of an introductory episode into who I am as a business owner, where um, my back, what my background is in business, and just kind of let you guys know who I am as a person and business owner. So maybe you can have a bit of insight when you listen to the interviews I am conducting and the kinds of questions I'm asking. So today, I have my boyfriend Jake here with me, who's going to basically interview me. I wanted instead of doing an introductory episode where I just talk about myself for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I thought it'd be kind of fun for my boyfriend to interview me in a similar way to how I'm going to interview my guests. So Jake, hi, thank you. Hello, thank you so much for having me on your show. (laughs) Yes, thank you for taking the role of the interviewer. (laughs) Happy to help. What's what's your goal with this podcast? Why, Why did you decide to do this at this time? So I actually started the podcast over a year ago and I kind of stopped because I felt like a lot of people were telling me not to do it and I kind of just let that seep into my mind. I was like, yeah, you know what? It's right. I don't want to take on too much. But then coming into this off season, having not booked as many weddings, I just thought, you know what? Like, screw it. This is such a cool idea. Um, I like the format and the idea of asking similar questions and covering a similar set of kind of typical business topics with different types of business owners from different industries because everyone has picked up different lessons along Mm -hmm. the way. Because of that, I just thought it would be cool to interview different people with a similar structured interview. Um, And I just thought it would be fun and cool to chat with these people about these things and yeah, just bring some tips and advice and peace of mind to other independent business owners and it's all about perspective I think this podcast is all about perspective really you know asking the same questions to different industries will give you different perspectives and it'll give you you know some new ideas Mm -hmm. in what might work for you that you may have not thought of before which I kind of thought was cool I've had this idea for a long time like probably about four or five years oh wow so, here we are. Long time to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, Josie Nicole Photography, tell us your story. So, I got started right after high school. I went to photography school uh, or college for photography. Um, it was a two-year diploma, and I came out of that kind of thinking I wanted to do commercial and architectural work. I had done some kind of well, I think unpaid and maybe paid assisting for a family friend of ours who did architecture. I just really admired his work and the way he talked about his work. I thought that was really cool and interesting. And I had actually assisted him and worked with him. And uh, I can't remember. I think one time I went and sat in his office and just picked his brain for a day. And it was something my parents probably set up and I was probably super nervous for and didn't (laughs) want to do. So that was my initial goal and dream was to do commercial work. But doing... um, But coming out of school, I ended up meeting and doing a work experience with a wedding photography couple and working with them, I kind of saw the other side of things and just realized that my personality aligns a little bit better with the lifestyle type of work. I'm super social. I love being around people. So yeah, I just started focusing on weddings and lifestyle and... Yeah, did that and then moved to Ottawa three years ago, almost exactly, and uh, really kicked off my business here when I moved. And why did you move to Ottawa? For you. (laughs) 
Jake was going to or got into law school here and I was kind of like part of me was like hey I really like this guy but the other part of me was just thinking I'm doing absolutely nothing with my life in Calgary <laughs> why don't I just try something new and go for it yeah so I did so besides having to move across the country for your boyfriend what has been the most challenging part for you starting out so far well moving in and of itself is a challenge just from a personal standpoint it's hard to it's really hard to make friends as an adult and it's also very hard to get out of your own head when you're so used to living in one environment when you switch that environment, it's really easy to compare and be like, oh, the last one was better because of this. So it's a bit of a transition moving across the country. There were so many things I loved that I had just kind of taken for granted and gotten used to. And then when I moved, I had to switch out of that mindset and kind of retrain my brain. So it's hard from a personal standpoint, but from a business standpoint, I actually think it was easy almost. Maybe easy is the wrong word, but it was very... I think it was a really good thing for my business. It gave me the motivation that I didn't have before because I knew I was starting from scratch in the city. I knew I had to hustle. Right. I knew I had to work hard to get my name in the game, to market myself, to meet new people, to network, all those things that you have to do. I wasn't really doing them back home because I was from there. I just kind of thought it would naturally happen I was just kind of waiting for it to happen almost so moving I think really like kicked the feet out from under me because I was like oh shit now I actually have to put in the work because I am in a new environment and nobody knows me here like, I, I knew no one in Ottawa except you it was challenging from a personal perspective but really good from a business perspective because things will never fall in your lap the way you think they will so you, you do have to put in that work especially when you're starting out and I think that I just needed that mental, I don't know, push. Okay. And how do you find the, the market in Ottawa compares to the one in Calgary? Well, it's hard to compare because I actually didn't really work for myself in Calgary. I did a lot of newborns, a lot of family sessions, but I didn't do, I guess that's not true. I did one wedding on my own in Calgary. Um, but other than that, I didn't actually really work for myself. I was always working for another company. I was always second shooting, assisting, things like that. So it's, it is hard to compare. I would say Ottawa has a longer warm season. So the season is a little bit more spread out here. And for some reason, the fall season is insanely popular for weddings. September and October are insane in Ottawa and Ontario. And I don't remember them being like that in Calgary. So that's a change. And then I think just the clientele in Ottawa being, um, a government city I just think mm -hmm. you just have a different type of client than you know Calgary which is more populated and it's got you know mountains so there's adventurous people people who like the outdoors and then you also have a big business hustle but hustle bustle city so you also have the kind of business mindset which is a little different from the government nine-to-five type brain yeah um, but yeah do you find each market has their own challenges between Calgary and Ottawa yeah, for sure. I think the luxury buy is a little bit harder of a sell here. I noticed there's a lot more photographers in the Ottawa area who have four or five primary shooters that work under them. So they can be, their brand, their company can be shooting up to, th up to like five weddings a day, a Saturday. Right. So because of that they can charge a little bit less to the customer and still make way more i think the luxury um buy the luxury price range in ottawa is a little bit harder of a pitch um to be honest but with that being said the economy isn't great right now especially mm -hmm. in calgary so i think the luxury buy at this time in calgary would also be a hard pitch whereas i think in ottawa it's fairly consistent like there's always going to be people who will recognize the value of a wedding photographer no matter how high they are mm -hmm. whereas i think in a business city that relies on the country's economy so much i think there's a much there, there's much lower dips and much higher highs yeah so how would you say covid has has affected your business so far <clears throat> less inquiries 
Well, it's a bit hard to tell for me because I hired a business coach and we've been working pretty intensely on my marketing plan. Um, because we have been, I have been getting <clears throat> more inquiries than I would have this time of year. But at the same time, now officially mid-May is usually when my inquiries start to pick up and they haven't yet. And I've heard from many other people that their inquiries have kind of slowed down or even halted completely. So I guess just people have kind of, because we don't have an end date in sight for yeah. this, I think people are just pausing all planning and they're kind of putting everything on hold. So I think that means people aren't really pulling that trigger of booking anyone yet because there's just this unknown. Yeah. So how does the COVID challenge compare to other challenges you've had as a business person starting out? The one thing I'd say about the COVID challenge right now is that makes it almost a better challenge is the fact that we're all kind of in it together. It's not, you know, it's not like I did something wrong to lose bookings or to lose inquiries because everyone's losing bookings, everyone's losing inquiries because of the situation. I think that it just gives you a bit better peace of mind. Whereas normally if you lose inquiries or, you know, your business takes a little dip or you start booking less, there's always this kind of thought of, okay, what did I do wrong last year? What, mm-hmm. what, it, where in my marketing plan in the last couple of years did I miss the mark to make this happen now? Whereas with COVID, it's just, it's because of the social situation and social distancing and government regulations. So you mentioned before about some of the differences between Calgary and Ottawa. Would you say that you have a bit of a different strategy um, for how you attract clients now versus how you used to in the past? Well, I think the biggest thing for me being still pretty new to Ottawa three years in is barely anything. I think the biggest thing now in my marketing is that before I didn't have strategy, it was just (laughs) to get clients, any client, anywhere, anytime, you name it, I'd be there to shoot their wedding. Whereas now I have a bit more of a focused marketing strategy in that I know who my ideal client is. I'm reaching out to them. I have, my packages are priced in a way that can kind of fit that ideal client's needs budget-wise. I think I just have, I think the answer is I didn't have a strategy, Mm -hmm. now I do. And so, while everyone would obviously want to have their ideal client, what kind of things do you try to do for your clients if they're not quite in that category, but you're still trying to make the most Mm -hmm. of of their day for them? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to remember that that's a really special day for them. It's a really important moment in their life. And I'm there to capture it so that they can hold on to it forever and always have those to look back on no matter what. 10 years, 20 years, whatever. Show their nieces, their nephews, their grandkids, their kids. You know, that's my job is to take those pictures, to hold on to those memories. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they're not my ideal client because I'm still there to serve them. And I'm still there to capture those special moments that happen on their big day. And I think for me, it's just about, it's not about the ideal client. It's just about recognizing how important that day is Mm -hmm. and how, how I can help them hold on to that. So you're saying Aunt Carol isn't qualified to take those kind of photos? (laughs) No shame to Aunt Carol, but I'm going to do it way better. So what do you find to be the most effective ways to market your business that are free right now? Instagram is huge. I think the biggest thing when it comes to social media platforms is owning into, yeah, your value. What is your product? Like, what are you really selling? Like, you're not just selling a t-shirt. Digging deep into what it is that you're bringing to that potential customer, potential client, client, whatever and really selling that online, like making sure that message is really, really clear. One thing my business coach and I, Lana Dingwall, I'll link all her stuff in the description because she's been an awesome coach and she has some kind of uh, programs and things that you can buy to work through if you don't, you know, obviously have it in your budget to hire a business coach. Um, So I'll make sure I link that. But one thing Lana and I have 
discuss, well, we discussed it very early on, um, is, oh, I can't even remember what it's called, but there's eight or so points of contact every, in theory, every client has before they book you. And so you have to make a ladder. So I made my ladder of where all the every point of contact my client has with me. And the first four or five were all kind of social media slash email. So I've just been really focusing on Instagram. And Instagram has always done really well for me before this. So now just having that reassurance has been great because I just know to keep going on Instagram. Do you find you market yourself differently between Facebook and Instagram? Or are they pretty comparable now? They're different for sure. Facebook has a bit more of a, a mature type of audience, I think. Instagram, it's really easy to be playful, to be funny, to talk about jokes, to talk a bit more of your, about yourself and your personal life. Um, you can ask people questions and engage in that way on Instagram. I think that's a bit more casual. It's a bit more young. Um, not to say that there's not like ma a mature age group on Instagram, but young in spirit in that it is so casual. Whereas I think on Facebook, you kind of have to be a bit more mature with your wording, a bit more structured. I think the client that's looking on Facebook appreciates that approach a little bit more that mm. more direct let's talk about what i do let's talk about my services whereas on instagram i've noticed that my already book clients past clients and inquiring clients the ones that follow me on instagram they want to engage with the fun stuff just as much as the more structured stuff but i don't really market too much on facebook so i'm not an expert in that area mm -hmm. i feel like there's probably many things I could be doing different. So if someone is struggling in their business, um, trying to think about how to get themselves out on social media, or maybe someone who's a little bit unfamiliar with the platform, is there any advice you'd give them? Yeah, I would say it's important to remember your message, to remember who you're selling to and to remember your why. Um, I used to hate when people said, remember your why, think of your why, <laughs> your why, your why, your why. I always would roll my eyes. I don't know why. Two Tony Robbins for you. Yeah, maybe. It's, yeah, something about it. I just thought was uh, too much. I don't know. But I think it is important to remember your why simply from the fact of if you're not doing this because you love it, then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you're really passionate and really in love with what you're doing. So ultimately, your why, I use air quotations, your why, is it's just about keeping that passion and letting that shine through in what you do. I think marketing online, it, you just have to be really clear with who you're talking to, who is your ideal client, really, really pinpoint that and talk to them. You know, one in a hundred readers might be that person, but that doesn't matter. You still want that one person to be like, oh my gosh, I love that. I agree with them. Mm -hmm. I totally vibe with that. You want them to connect right away. So be really specific in the wording you use and how you talk to them. Also be true to yourself. Talk like you would normally. Yeah write like you would normally talk. <laughs> um, yeah, th yeah, I would say those things are really important. Just be clear on who yeah. you are and what, yeah, what you're selling. So what's your why right now? What's my why? Well, my why is, I guess, and this is actually funny, this is actually scheduled into my Instagram posting. <laughs> Sneak peek. <laughs> to, yeah, talk about my why. But I guess it stems from the place of, you know, I've had people in my life that I've lost and having photos from when I was a kid and with them, Yeah. looking back and having those just on your phone, on your fridge, wherever, on your desk, doesn't matter. That's so special to me and I don't take those for granted at all because I think too many times people forget to take pictures with those loved ones. Yeah. And then later they look back and they think, oh, I really wish I would have 
gotten this picture with my best friend or my grandparent or my parent or whomever. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to I want to be the person capturing you on your special day with all your loved ones, with all your friends, all your family in a way that's meaningful that you can hold on to forever. Yeah. It sounds similar to some things I've read where people are talking about it's we're living at a time where pictures are so easy to take and have on your phone and mm-hmm. have on devices. So you take so many of them, but you, you don't really look at them much anymore. Yeah. They kind of just go onto the cloud or onto a hard drive and don't really do anything with it. Yeah. Are there different hard drives like that, that that you've gone back to in your own life to to look through some things? I know you, you print out quite a few <laughs> for us at our apartment, which is great. <laughs> I do. And I always have a stockpile of more to trade out. Yeah. Our fridge is covered in images. True. Um, I guess my biggest thing is if you love a picture and it holds meaning to you and evokes an emotion – just throw it into a folder on your computer or a folder on your phone. You can have like on iPhone, there's a favorites. Mm-hmm. I, I just use that. It's important to have, you know, a folder on your phone or your computer that have those images that evoke emotion and having those, just those key few images. Well, it could be more than a few, but the ones that really hold meaning to you, save those. It's fine to save them in a folder digitally, but I think, there's something to be said about just print them. Just print mm-hmm. them. Because you just never know where you're going to end up in life. And you never know where technology is going or what's going to happen. And I had a past bride say the most amazing thing to me. She said that if their house burned down in a fire, her wedding album was one of the few things she would grab to save. Aww. So I just think, remember that those images, they're memories. Remember that if it evokes an emotion for you, it's important to save digitally or physically. Either way, just make sure they're in a safe space that you can always Mm -hmm. go back to. Uh, What, if anything, do you outsource in your business these days? Um, I outsource not a whole lot at this stage in the business, but I have full intention of being someone that outsources a lot of my work I just think why not if you're at the point where you can afford different things and you know as a business owner I'm only an expert in so many layers of my business um but I would say outsourcing right now my business coach I hired her at the end of February um so we kind of started in March for six months and Although she's not, you know, it's for six months, there is six months, there is an end. I think I would count that as outsourcing and it's been really helpful. I think having someone to engage with about business, specifically my business, but also just someone that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So what, what was kind of the driving factor behind getting a business coach? Um, well, last summer I had quite a few weddings of my own and I was so thrilled with how many I booked. I went from like three weddings to 12 or something, um, which was huge. And I was so proud and so excited. And then coming into this year, I hadn't booked nearly as many. So it was kind of this wall of, oh no, I fucked up. And I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know what I did different. I thought I was doing the same. And ultimately, the goal is to have this be my full-time job. And I just thought I could not hire a business coach and figure this out on my own. But it might take it might take a year or two. And I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> I was just so ready to make the jump to full-time, but do it in a way that worked and do it in a way that I would be successful. And I just thought there's so many layers to my business that I don't know that well. And I just I just figured the only way I could get ahead in the time frame that I wanted to was by hiring someone that was an expert because I'm not an expert in business. And I mean, that's kind of what started this podcast too, was there's so many different business owners that have different little tips they mm-hmm. can give from their own experiences. So yeah, I just thought... I want to be full-time by 2021 
and I don't think I can get there on my own. And I had a really hard transition from 2019 to 2020 because of my drop in bookings and it affected me on a really deep emotional Hmm. level as a person it was a really big hurdle to get over mentally and I just thought if I hire someone professional that can help me I'll be able to get over this faster and Mm -hmm. because I know I'll be doing the right thing so besides um taking some practical steps like uh getting the business coach uh, how did you get over that that personal struggle, and what kind of advice would you give to someone who's maybe in a similar position of struggle and disappointment with their own business? Um, yeah, it's not easy. I feel ya. It sucks. Holy shit. <laughs> it sucks a lot. Um, but you just have to remember to keep going. There's nothing good will come if you stop. Like you have to keep working. You have to keep putting in the hours. If you need to take a weekend or a full week, maybe you get out of the city if you obviously can and just really reassess what your goals are, where you want to be a year from now, two years, five years, ten years. Think of it on a small scale, but also go big. Think big and yeah, just close your eyes and envision yourself in five to ten years Are you still doing the same work? Are you still in the same business? Are you successful? If you see that and you want it, just try and reignite that passion. I don't know. I dealt with it very independently. I didn't really talk to people about how I was feeling about it. But I think talking to a friend about it, talking to someone else in your industry about it, reach out to someone in your industry for coffee, go for coffee, tell them. People are kind and people... People care. People will help you and they will talk you through it. So use your social network for sure. I don't know. There's no easy way to get out of it. But if you need time, do it. Figure out your why. You know, and figure out if you still have that passion and you want to keep going. Yeah. Is it worth the work? And if you think, yeah, I think it is, then you just got to keep going. And once you make that decision... It gets a little bit easier. You'll still have that mental struggle. You'll still have that, I'm down, I'm sad, I feel depressed, I feel bummed out about my situation. But once you make that decision, you at least can give yourself that peace of mind. Okay, I'm so bummed out, but I know I'm working in the right direction. I've made the decision now. I'm Mm -hmm. not going back and forth. So, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so sort of related question, what has been the biggest struggle that you've had to overcome in your business so far? Moving was hard, personally and business-wise, I guess. But also hiring a business coach was a struggle because I think you have to humble out a bit. I think you have to set your ego aside a little bit and be like, I'm not doing something right and I need help. And that can be hard. I, I don't think I struggle with that most of the time, but it you know, it wasn't an easy decision to make. And it is an investment for sure. So recognizing that, you know, other, you know, like there's always gear and stuff that I want and recognizing Mm -hmm. that had that recognizing that had to take a step to the side so that I could focus on my business was challenging. Yeah, I don't know. Business in general is challenging. There's always challenging decisions to be made. And Mm -hmm. yeah, What's, what's been your biggest challenge, I guess, from more the personal side of things? Have you had any um, personalities that you didn't get along mm-hmm. as well with? And if so, how did you how did you address that? Yeah, in the wedding industry, it's a good one for <laughs> personalities. Because people are so intense. Yeah, people are so intense on their wedding day. My brides have been really good. I... I think I've just been lucky in attracting the type of client that's a little bit more relaxed. So most of the time I don't have, I've never had a bridezilla, never really had a momzilla. As a second shooter I have, and I have some funny stories, but from my own experience, the worst I've ever had is just kind of one time the bridesmaids were, the bridesmaids are kind of there to be a support system to help problem solve, to help work around, to help carry things. They're kind of just there as like the bride's personal assistants. Yeah. And in this case, the bridesmaids were causing more issues than they were helping. And I think that 
well, I know that it had been, it was a clear point of stress for that bride. Mm -hmm. So in a situation like that, I will help the bride. Um, I'm a more candid style shooter, so I most definitely will just kind of fly on the wall, especially for the getting ready part of the day. And I think I could really start to pick up on her stress with her bridesmaids. So I really just focused in on what she needed and what I could do to help that. Yeah. So I carried her bags. You know, I helped. Like whatever it was. I don't even remember. It was long enough ago that I don't remember yeah. the specifics. But just making sure that you're not adding to the stress is really important. Yeah. Making sure that you're diffusing it in a way that's in a way that's appropriate for the role that you're right. playing as a professional, which means sometimes not getting involved and not yeah. saying anything. And sometimes if it's everyone's in a panic to leave to get to the ceremony site, sometimes that's just being like, okay, I'll see you there and leaving. But sometimes it is stepping in, you know, carrying things. I helped her. You know, I talked to her a lot. The bridesmaids went ahead of her. They didn't carry her bags for her, and they went on a different elevator. And she was like, okay, fine, don't help me. So then, <laughs> no. so then I stepped in, you know, I got all my stuff ready, and I said, what can I carry? Give me four bags. Here's my arm. Just load yeah. it up. And then I walked with her to the elevator, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how did you like your first look? And I got her talking about the first look because they had just finished the first look look things like that getting them relaxed and engaged I have a pretty I think a pretty good knack for that but I I think there's a time and a place I I think most of the weddings I choose to just kind of stay fly on the wall because it's their day and yeah it's not my moment it's theirs and they'll figure it out so what kind of strategies do you use to get candid shots even with my with my phone when I'm trying to take candid shots of you on the balcony. It's hard to stay hidden sometimes. How do you do it? You're too obvious. <laughs> um, Besides turning your flash off, I've learned that lesson now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't know. It's actually a tricky question because a lot of past brides have told me we didn't even notice you throughout the whole reception, which to me is bananas. Like I have no idea how they don't notice me. I would notice me. I think. <laughs> I think I would at least. I it's don't one know. of those ones. Thank you. <laughs> but then I have to remind myself that I'm probably just so hyper aware of everything I'm doing because A, I am trying to be quiet. B, I am trying to be inconspicuous. But also I'm trying to get myself in the right spot to get the perfect shot that I need. Right. I guess I would say it's when my true introvert comes out is you just have to fly on the wall and just let things unfold. Remember that you're there to capture it, so kind of get creative and get have fun. Another good way to get candids, it, well, at a wedding, so I'll, the second they're invited up to speak, I just hold my camera at my eye. That way they don't, they just assume I'm always taking pictures. Yeah. They'll get a little bit more used to the camera right away, and then I can snap it when they're making the right expression because people... I'll put it this way. If your camera's down by your side and all of a sudden you pull it up to your face, they're going to know you're about to take a picture. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they don't know when you're taking the picture, they're just going to do what they're doing as they would. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky question to answer. I think practice makes perfect. And I'm not even that perfect at it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, just practice and practice. So on the flip side, when it's clear that it's not a candid shot and you're very specifically trying to get the couple or the family to give you whatever look you're going for. What are some of the tricks you use for that? You have to be, it's totally, it can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Our neighbors upstairs are knocking on something. Yeah. If he's beside, he's doing some good instruction. It sounds like it's coming from. I I thought it was, Well, I apologize if you can hear that. (laughs) There's nothing I can do. And we have to keep going. I have another interview today. The biggest thing with getting reactions that you want when you want it, because obviously not always, people aren't always ready to give it on command. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not always in that state of mind. Um, So I think it's important to 
right from the second you get to the wedding, you need to start reading bodies and people and personalities. You need to tell, you need to be able to tell if this is the kind of family that will kill themselves laughing at a really dirty joke or if they're the type mm. of family that need a very PG-13 joke. As a matter of fact, the more PG-13, the probably more they're laughing. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, have you, have you had a non-PG-13 joke go, go wrong for you? Um, with couples in engagement sessions sometimes, but that's kind of my testing pot. The engagement session is a time where I get to kind of play and test the waters a bit. And usually they just don't react. Mm -hmm. They'll just kind of be like, hmm, and, you know, kind of look at each other. Yeah. Then I know, okay, I'm not repeating that on the wedding day. And also that gives me a cue to know that, okay, if they didn't laugh at that, their families probably aren't like that either. So I kind of know going in. Um, But it's important to read the family. You know, you'll know if they like. Yeah offside jokes and it's just about playing up what you think they'll like and honestly that it's there there's nothing I can say that can give a solid sound piece of advice to a newbie who struggles with that because it really honestly is just practice it's just practicing being extroverted and social but also being smart at reading people yeah there's no easy answer. I think be yourself. You know, if they hired you, they hired you for a reason. So be yourself. Be silly if you're a silly person. Be goofy if you're a goofball. You know, if you're more reserved, that's okay too. You're allowed to just say, "All right, three, two, one." That you're that's okay. Like, yeah. You know, don't think you need to play it up more than you actually do. Um, that's when people get awkward and uncomfortable behind the camera if you're trying to do something that doesn't suit you because they'll be able to pick up on that yeah and then that'll amplify the kind of tension in the air yeah so i think reading the family making jokes that you know the family will like which if you're there from the getting ready stage you'll know you'll know they make jokes all morning you'll you'll totally know yeah um but yeah oh i've totally had jokes not land with (laughs) more so with bridal parties and families i usually play it safe i usually play it safe with families but with the bridal party, sometimes I'll be like, oh, the guys were so outrageous this morning, and I'll make an outrageous joke, and no one says anything. But you just have to, sh- you know, water off a duck's back. Is yeah. that the expression? Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if they don't laugh at your joke. Yeah, true. It just means you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Work on the material for the next one. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of um, managing some social interactions like that, have you had to, let's just say, politely ask some family members to get out of your shots? And if so, do you have any advice for photographers on how to go about that, but also being polite? Yeah, for sure. No, the biggest thing um, I would say to anyone, new or not new, is which this is talked about a lot in the industry and a lot of photographers online I see get really mad and they get really frustrated with those family members and I think it's really 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 just it's so important to remember it's not your fucking wedding it's theirs and that family member values and knows the bride and groom well enough that they feel comfortable getting a photo They want a photo for their own fridge, their own photo album, their own Facebook page. That, you cannot discredit that. That is valuable Mm -hmm. to that person. And you don't need to be disrespectful to that person because, yeah, you're being paid a lot of money to do a job. And if they're getting in your way, that is absolutely frustrating and it's fair to feel frustrated. But remember to validate what the other person is going through Mm -hmm. because... It's a big day. It's so exciting. People are just so excited. They're not thinking, oh, shoot, I'm in the photographer's way because they're mm-hmm. just excited to get the same picture. They want that first kiss moment. And you need to work around them is what I would say to any newbie. Drop, like there's so many people with the attitude of, and I think this trend has kind of stopped, but there was a, a while where photographers were making it mandatory in their and it was in their contract making it mandatory for their clients to have no cell phones, have like a cell phone basket, things like that. I just don't think that's appropriate. Like it's your job to work around. You know, it's their wedding. They get to choose if they want cell phones there. Yeah. Um, 
if it happens during a time like say family photos I will kind of touch the person's shoulders like kind of like very gently grab them so that they're focused on me and they're looking right at me yeah. so that I have their full attention and I'll say can I get the picture first and then I'll let you go in and then they feel listened to and heard like they understand then that you're allowing them to get the photo they want and I'll say that to like five people sometimes there's multiple people in front right. so I'll just say to all of them hey guys I'm gonna get the first couple photos you can stand behind me I don't care if you take pictures behind me but when I'm done I'll let you have your minute and you just give them that space different families want that and it's not your place to, to not allow it um but it's not easy. Like, it is frustrating. It is annoying. Yeah. For sure, the iPad photo takers during the ceremony, the first kiss, that's a pain in the ass. But there's nothing you can do about that. Honestly, I'll just take picture. I'll take the best picture I possibly can. And if there just so happens to be an iPad in the photo, there just so happens to be an iPad yeah. in the photo. And I just leave it at that. You know, like, I offer photoshopping services for extra costs so if the bride and groom really don't want the ipad in there they could ask me to photoshop it out and pay for it yeah. no one has ever asked me to do right. that so for things like photoshop and extra kind of prints and things like that what kind of strategies do you use um to try to upsell your clients on some of those add-on packages i mean everything has to money cannot be exchanged for no reason so there has to be a value attached to that upgrade or that add-on or that uh, upsell i try not to think of it as the upselling because that makes me feel like a dirty car salesman <laughs> um but it's still important to understand the value of upselling i think yeah. as a business owner but it's all about value lose the notion that it's about making money and you'll sell more because it's not because some clients don't have it in their budget and some clients literally don't care about an album they just don't they want it digitally only mm -hmm. and that's fine like you have to respect that because just because you see value in an album doesn't mean they will but i think if you believe in it you can sell it mm -hmm. and i think the best advice for selling things like that i can give honestly is you gotta condition them so right from the first time you meet, you have to talk about albums. You yeah. have to talk about how that's that's a valuable thing as a business owner that you offer to your clients, that you do for them. So you take on the burden of the work because albums are a lot of work. You take on all that work, all that stress to produce a high, high, high quality, beautifully, beautifully designed album that can sit on their coffee table for mm -hmm. years, you know? You have to start from the beginning. You have to talk about it from day one. You can't just at the very end of it all say, oh, do you want an album? By the way, it's $600. No one wants that. Yeah. You know? So you have to talk about it from the beginning and you have to be open about budget. You know? Yeah. Like I offer an array of albums that cost many different things because I don't care if they can't afford the top quality album. They still want an album that's still valuable and they can have a slightly lower quality album to save the money. That's totally fine. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's not easy, but you got to do what works for you and really, truly, just like your business and your brand, you have to believe in it. Yeah. So besides binging Netflix with your <laughs> one and only love, how do you keep a work-life balance? It's not easy. And to be really frank, I'm thus far never been good at it I think because I had a part-time job and there have been many months probably totaling in like a year of months that you haven't lived with me almost I would say a summer and then what over half a year yeah, that. um so because I had the part-time job because I was so focused on my wedding business and you didn't live here it was so easy to just work, 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 work. There's nothing distracting me when quarantine wasn't in effect and I had my job and I was in that state of work, work, work. I took every Sunday night off for myself and I always had a plan. So I'd go into the weekend because I worked a lot on the weekend. So I always had a plan. Okay, this Sunday it's going to be martini day. I'm going to make myself a really nice sturdy martini and I'm going to watch a movie that I know I love. 
or I would go into the Sunday being like, today's bath day. I'm going to make myself a really nice bubble bath. And I would just kind of make it A, a ritual, but also be like a celebratory thing. So something like that, if you can implement a day or, I mean, and the day can change depending on your week's schedule. It doesn't always have to be the same day. It just always happened to be the same day for me with my schedule at the time. But yeah, having that day where you're like, it doesn't matter what you do throughout the day, you can work in the day. But that night, like the second the clock hits three or four, you're done. You, you do have to take that time to balance your brain, I think. And I think most people should take more than one night a week. But <laughs> that was my routine. Though I think now that, not that I'm getting older, but I think within the last year I've realized how unsustainable that is. So I think the work-life balance question now is is a little bit more relevant and a little bit more in the forefront of my mind because I think it is so valuable. It's just figuring out what works for you and rewarding yourself. It's all about like rewarding yourself if you accomplish something, finish something like I used to do if I delivered a wedding. This was in my crazy summer, like crazy wedding season last summer. Mm -hmm. If I delivered a wedding, I would take that night off and watch a movie. Like little, like reward yourself with something you know. It's like posi- like positively reinforcing yourself so that you always feel motivated to work so that you keep that passion and that drive really high, but so that you also still get that time to yourself. And it could be anything. So what's one thing that's leveled up your business? I've thought this I've thought about my answer for this question a lot because obviously I ask it a lot every time I do an interview and I struggle with my answer. I think business coach right now is a huge thing for me. Um Lana Dingwall again <laughs> repping her hard. Um, shout out. Shout out. I don't think you need to hire a business coach, but for me it was like a pivotal moment. I remember talking to you being like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this you cannot talk me out of this. Like this is a decision I've made because I just knew that I needed help in more than one way. And I, I just knew that I could get myself there, but I knew that if I hired someone out, I would A, get there faster, B, get there with faster, with, sorry, with better resources and then C, leave it, leave the experience with lasting tools that I can use continuing on which was important to me, but yeah, for sure a business coach. I would say having a CRM, which stands for Acronym to be determined. Client relations management, something, client something management. Anyway, it's basically an online source that allows you to kind of batch your engagement with your client. So it's really easy to automatically set up set up automatic invoices, payments, emails, reminders, contracts, things like that. Um, I use Dubsado personally, also shout out. Dubsado's incredible. So far, I've had a great experience with them. I really like that. It's helped a lot with time management. Holy smokes. The amount of time I used to spend creating invoices and, you know, um, pricing PDFs, contract. Oh my gosh, I I actually cannot believe how much time I save. So it it, it is a lot of money, but it is so valuable. Okay. Yeah. But my main answer for this question, after thinking about it really hard last night, I thought about it is having a really strong social network. Um, and it doesn't need to be big. If you just have one or two people in a similar or the same industry as you that you're pretty close with, just being able to talk to them, shoot the shit, talk about talk about things that you can talk about things that you're struggling with, things that you want to grow in, having a key group of people that you can kind of rely on for back and forth engagement and stuff is it's just so valuable. I think it keeps you humble, it keeps you learning, it keeps you growing, it also keeps you sane. You know, you can hmm. talk about your struggles and your issues, you can vent to them. I think having that security, that safe group of people, and again, it, it might only be one person, and they might not even be in the exact same industry. Yeah. You know, like it might be a wedding planner, and you're a wedding photographer, or it might be 
a business coach and you might be a social media expert, whatever. Um, but, you know, reach out if you think there's someone on social media that you really would vibe well with and they're in the same industry, just reach out, have a Zoom call, go for coffee, whatever you got to do. Obviously, don't go for coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's coffee so valuable. Yeah, I really think that's helped me level up my business, especially when I moved to Ottawa. I was so new. And I think the first couple of years, I really struggled finding my place in the industry. It was not easy because I had made these friends and I was like, yeah, they're the ones. And then I just started finding myself being like, no, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know where I fit. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I fit in. And, and I've now found that within the last year, I'd say. And I think it's helped me more than I could have expected. I like that. Yeah. Well, do you have any last thoughts or motivational tips for your listeners before we sign off? I think if you're new to the wedding photography industry, I think it's really important to to always stay learning. You know, go for coffee with other people in your industry. Pick their brains. You know, offer to help them. Offer to come into their work environment and do some, you know, work for them just to learn. Like, you can never stop learning. Jackie and I talk a lot about it in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should go listen. Um, We talk a lot about just always be learning. It's so valuable. You will never... Jackie's right in what she said that you you will never stop learning. That's really applicable to any profession. Any profession. Absolutely. Like, even if you're the best of the best, things evolve all the time. Your customer, your clients, your buyers your viewers are always evolving. Therefore, you also need to be adjusting and growing, which means that learning process will never stop. There's so many resources online, free and paid, to learn and grow more in specific areas like SEO or marketing or branding and also in broad areas. So I just think always remember to be humble and be learning and that's, there's no price tag on that that's so important for everyone and even in your personal life too always expanding your mind and just being open to new ideas I think can only help your business I like that yeah thank you deep profound Mm -hmm. profound words with Josie Berg (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us on your podcast this has been a real treat I'm so glad (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) on my podcast Thanks for interviewing me. Thanks for listening in. Remember to check us out on Instagram at What the Business Podcast. See you at the next episode.